This is New York's Asset Protection Roundtable with Ted Alatsis of Alatsis Law Firm. Our mission at Alatsis Law Firm is to assist you with the three pillars of protection, preserving your assets, providing you help, and protecting your future. Welcome in to New York's Asset Protection Roundtable, three pillars of protection program with attorney and counselor law, Ted Alatsis. I am Ben George. I'm good to, glad to have you back into this episode. Uh, we're going to talk about beneficiary designations quite a bit on this episode and why they are not the answer to estate planning. While they do fill some gaps and uh, and do help you out in some aspects, it does not complete an estate plan. There are a lot of holes and some other uh considerations that need to be taken into account when going through that. So that'll be the episode today. Ted, welcome in. How are you? Doing great, Ben. Hope uh, all's well with you. It is. I know you just got back uh, from a little trip. Did you, did you uh, enjoy some time away from the office? Yes, it was uh, relaxing, which was great. The weather was fantastic. Got to spend some time with my family. So it was it was a welcome uh, opportunity. Do you unplug completely when you're on vacation? Do you Can you actually get step away altogether? No. <laughs> uh, try, I try the best I can, but, uh, you know, in this, uh, virtual world that we're working in, you know, somewhat there's the temptation and the, sometimes a need to deal with some things in a, on a remote basis. So I had to do a couple of court appearances, for example, but otherwise, yeah, I tried to unplug as much as I could. Yeah, very good. Well, glad you enjoyed some time off and uh, hopefully wherever you're listening, you've enjoyed some time off here recently, but today we've got a good show for you and I'll point you to the website too. So if you have any questions about estate planning or about what we discussed today, beneficiaries, just check out alatsislawfirm.com again, A-L-A-T-S-A-S lawfirm.com. There's a link there. You can also call the numbers on the website, plenty of other resources there as well, but there's a big button in the front to schedule an appointment uh, or consultation with, with Ted and his team there to kind of get that process moving. But you know, today you know, we're going to talk about beneficiaries, and there are many types of accounts that allow the owner to designate beneficiaries to receive the account after the owner dies. And that can be quick, it can be easy, and it oftentimes a no-cost way to pass on the account after someone dies. However, the ease of setting up beneficiary designations can trap some people into thinking that their estate plan is done. And it is one piece of the puzzle, but it is not the entire puzzle. So I want to kind of point out some areas that you're going to fall short with your estate plan if you rely solely on beneficiaries. So the first one, Ted, I want you to take us through are under underage beneficiaries, because obviously there's a little more goes into it here, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, having having a beneficiary who's under the age of 18 is uh, it can be problematic, certainly when the when the beneficiary um, get or supposed to get their money. So what what are some things you have to consider about or what what else do you have to add into an estate plan here? Because, like, I guess what if someone is, you know, even under, if you say, 10 or 10 years of age and you've named them as a beneficiary, what all goes into that to pass that along if that's oh, all okay. you have? Yeah. So, so, I mean, what happens in that scenario is, you know, when, when the beneficiary is under the age of 18, a uh, bank is not going to be able to give their money to them. So what essentially happens is a custodian would have to be appointed to uh, take care and manage those funds for them. So um, if they, if they don't have a custodian or a guardian, which, which requires a legal proceeding, then that money just kind of stays there until they reach the age of 18. And that could be problematic, certainly, because, you know, when when accounts are inactive, you have you have issues with um, with the state. You have issues with the ability to draw from those funds, uh, to use those funds if the beneficiary needs them. So there's a lot of complications that are unintended that can happen in a scenario like that. And uh, you know, certainly certainly not a, not necessarily a good idea. 
Well, is it a good idea even if, you know, even talking about age 18, is it even a good idea to have a beneficiary 18 to leave them money directly at that age? Well, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I think the conversation is about how much control you actually want to have, what kind of actual protection you want to have for your beneficiaries. Because when you do asset protection, for example, you're not necessarily just doing it for yourself. You're also doing it for your beneficiaries, right? So at the end of the day, if you if you designate someone as a beneficiary, they get it. When If they're old enough, they get it. And there's no... There's no uh, criteria for they're getting it other than they're alive. Um, and so if, uh, for example, they are a spendthrift, uh, they have massive debts, they're about to get sued or something like that, that money is you know ascertainable by their creditors. Um, so you're giving someone a gift that may actually not be a gift, be more of a curse. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you kind of have to think it through. Um, so beneficiary designations aren't necessarily a good idea in most scenarios. Okay. Some things to think about there with underage uh, beneficiaries. All right. Let's talk about some unknown or some uncontrolled, uncontrollable contingencies. Let's start off with, you know, if you have a primary and that beneficiary is not alive, what happens to, to their share? Okay. So it depends, right? So if you have a, a primary beneficiary without a secondary beneficiary designated, then what would essentially happen is that person's share would go to their estate, which requires probate, uh, which was one of the reasons why you avoided uh, you know, doing a will in the first place and you designated someone as a beneficiary. So that's one of those unintended consequences. Um, some uh, banks, some, some uh, financial institutions do not allow for beneficiary designations beyond the first designation. So there are, you know, it, it does end up getting tied up in either probate or um, intestacy or pro, you know, administration proceeding, um, which requires the court to be involved, regardless of how, how big the estate is. How long can that process take? I'm thinking just about like if, because a lot of times we set beneficiaries and just kind of forget it, right? You know, you, you begin work and uh-huh. the first one of the first things you do when you make that contribution amount, you, you set up your beneficiaries. Hopefully you put that in there right away. But let's say over time you've worked for a while and you just haven't really thought to go back through there. And let's say you do have somebody in here that maybe passed away years ago. How long can, how difficult can that be to sort out? Wow. So it, it, it depends a lot on how complicated the familial relationships are, right? Yeah. Because in, in New York, you know, the government has pretty much set up an estate plan for you if you don't realize it. And that's called the intestate distribution laws. If you don't um, have a will, you die in New York without a, you know, w- without beneficiaries being designated or you don't you, you don't have a, a, a written plan, then New York has a hierarchy of familial relationships that um, will end up getting your assets. And if you have um, a child um, that you wanted to disinherit or a co- you know, third cousin twice removed mm-hmm. that, you know, you, you had no intention of ever giving them anything, they may end up getting, you know, that, that distribution. So it can be a very complicated process. The typical administration proceeding six months in, in uh, Kings County, where we are here in Brooklyn to as much as two years. Um, so it can be a very lengthy process and, you know, one you could avoid. Certainly. Right. Uh, one other kind of uncontrollable contingency here is if you have a beneficiary that you named, and you kind of touched on this in the first answer a little bit, but if they're going through hard times, right, they're going through divorce, a lawsuit, bankruptcy, there's no way to delay that payout or even protect that payout amount from just being lost, right? That's right. And that's, again, one of those, you know, you're, 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 you intend on giving a gift, but what you're really doing is creating a problem potentially in a scenario like that. And so, 
you know, once, once it's given, it's given and you can't really control it. You can't do anything about it. So that's why that, that's essentially the difference between planning and just doing things, right? Because if you just, if you plan, you can avoid a lot of these uh, unintended consequences that may be detrimental to your beneficiaries. So um, yeah, one, it, it goes, you know, similar to the example I gave earlier about, you know, the spendthrift, the person who has judgments and, you know, has, um, you know, huge credit card debts or something like that and can be subject to a lawsuit. If you name them as a beneficiary, that's something that, you know, those creditors can take. If you are careful and you plan accordingly, you could avoid that uh, and make sure that they get it in such a way so that, you know, the creditors don't get it. All right. So that's another reason. Uh, another consideration with beneficiaries here. Um, another one is it doesn't work for everything, right? There are a lot of assets that don't have beneficiary designations and some pretty big ones. Yeah, absolutely. Like in New York, for example, there is no beneficiary designation. You can't do that for real property. So you have a house, you want to designate someone as a beneficiary, you can't do it. There are some states in the country that do it, but you know, it's, it's rare. Um, and, and also, you know, for the same reasons that we mentioned earlier, not a good idea. Cars, businesses, you can't, you can't really do that. Timeshares, for example, all of those things, you really can't have beneficiary designations. And then, you know, the personal property, right? So things that you have in your house, things that, um, you know, collections, things like that. You, you really can't name a beneficiary for those things. You have to kind of spell that out. And that's so important because a lot of these are, are very, very uh, expensive assets and very valuable, whether they be, you know, monetarily or, you know, emotionally with personal property. These are, you know, very important assets in many cases. So you need to have a plan for them that uh, beneficiaries will not cover. And then there's others that you mentioned that, that only allow maybe say one beneficiary or just have a limited basis for beneficiaries uh, that you need to have some contingencies for. That's right. All right. Last thing here on the list is, um, you know, causes families to compromise their wishes, these beneficiaries. And, you know, it may not be appropriate to give outright inheritance distributions, but families do it anyway because it's the only option. Right. So keeping their family in mind, I know that's a big part of, of the estate planning process, right, is making things easier for your family so that, you know, you're not throwing them for a loop or, or, or making their creating some kind of uh, controversy or tension within the family. That's right. Uh, that's right. And and you're not, you know, when you just do beneficiary designations, you really um, don't control any of that. And certainly, you know, that's that's why planning is better than simply acting on a on a whim. Um, you, you sit, you do, you draft your your documents to reflect the wishes that you want to make sure that the beneficiaries who you want to receive your 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 assets get them, and also to basically put everybody else on notice as to you know these are my specific wishes. And I don't, I, I don't want anything else to happen uh, other than what I've spelled out. And uh, you know, generally speaking, when when people are forthright with that and they're able to to spell that out, conflict is avoided. And and certainly, it just makes it easier to make sure that you know who you get, the, who you want to get your things get. It. Well, the beneficiaries obviously are you know important to have, and I'm sure that you work through this with your clients too um, quite a bit, Ted. How how do do you go through the beneficiaries first meeting, first couple of times you're going, you're sitting down with someone just to kind of see what they have laid out? And how often are you are you kind of going back and, re- and referencing those and just making sure they're updated? So what what we generally do is when a client first comes in, we we have them fill out a, an intake form and then we kind of get a sense of what their family structure is like and what their intentions are and what goals they have, right? So when we go through all that stuff with them, then at that point we start working with, you know, coming up with a plan that fits their needs. And, you know, many times, you know, there's an expression that there's a child who's either, 
you know, done more or has, you know, it needs more or, you know, perhaps um, has some financial needs above and beyond the, the norm. And then, you know, maybe there's another child that's, you know, significantly more successful. And so, you know, they want uh, the, the, the person who's in our office is looking to give one child more than the other, et cetera. When we plan and we, we articulate these document these these uh, expressions in their documents, we make it clear um, what the rationale is, right? So there is no misunderstanding later as to why certain things were done a certain way, and that's one of the benefits of planning. You, you want to be able to protect potentially your um, children from a divorce and having their assets taken away in the divorce, or you want to protect them from lawsuits, or you want to you know protect them from money problems, or um, or frankly, you know, the immaturity, right? They're really young and you don't want them to necessarily have everything all at once with plant, with proper planning, you can, you can do all that. You can accomplish all that by simply designating people as beneficiaries. You lose all that flexibility and lose all that control. So, you know, when, when we sit down with our clients, we go through all that with them. We make sure that, you know, their wishes are what they're, what they've articulated, uh, reaffirm that with them multiple times. And then, um, you know, when, when, and if they come see us on a regular basis, we, we kind of, you know, go, go through that with them again and again. All right. Well, if you're lo- looking to start that estate planning process, or if you want to go back through some things that you've already put in place, want to get a second opinion, best place to start alatsislawfirm.com. That is a website. We're going to put the podcast up there. There's some other resources to help guide you through your estate plan, but you can also call Ted and his team at 718 718- Two three three two nine zero three. Beneficiary is so important, but again, it's just one piece of that overall estate plan. So hopefully this helps you out today on this episode. But again, reach out to Ted if you have further questions. As always, Ted, we appreciate your time and look forward to doing it again soon. Thank you, Ben. Same here. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.